Hello there, and welcome to Down to Sleep, the podcast of softly spoken stories to help you get a good night's rest. I have been loving this book. I think it is my favorite book that we've read on the podcast so far. We've been continuing to read it here and there since episode two, all the way back at the second episode. If you would like to hear the whole thing, then join our sleepy book club at patreon.com slash down to sleep where for a few dollars you can support the podcast and get a bonus episode every single week, and every main episode is about twice as long. That's patreon.com slash down to sleep. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I hope that you've had a wonderful weekend and are looking forward to a great month ahead of you. Let's go ahead and get you nice and comfortable, tuck you in, and we'll begin from Chapter 8 of The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. It was long past noon when he awoke. His valet had crept several times on tiptoe into the room to see if he was stirring, and had wondered what made his young master sleep so late. Finally his bell sounded. Victor came in softly with a cup of tea and a pile of letters on a small tray of old china, and drew back the olive satin curtains with their shimmering blue lining that hung in front of three tall windows. Monsieur has slept well this morning, he said, smiling. What o'clock is it, Victor? asked Dorian Gray, drowsily. One hour and a quarter, Monsieur. How late it was. He sat up. Having sipped some tea, turned over his letters. One of them was from Lord Henry, and had been brought by hand that morning. He hesitated for a moment, and then put it aside. The others he opened listlessly. They contained the usual collection of cards, invitations to dinner, tickets for private views, programs of charity concerts and the like all that are showered on fashionable young men every morning during the season. There was a rather heavy bill for a silver toilet set that he had not yet had the courage to send on to his guardians, who were extremely old-fashioned people, and did not realize that we live in an age when unnecessary things are our only necessities, and there were several very courteously worded communications from German street moneylenders offering to advance any sum of money, at a moment's notice, and at the most reasonable rate of interest. After about ten minutes, he got up, throwing on an elaborate dressing gown of silk-embroidered cashmere wool, passed into the onyx-paved bathroom. The cool water refreshed him after his long sleep. He seemed to have forgotten all that he had gone through. A dim sense of having taken part in some strange tragedy came to him once or twice, but there was the unreality of a dream about it. As soon as he was dressed, he went into the library and sat down to a light French breakfast that had been laid out on for him on a small round table close to the open window. It was an exquisite day. The warm air seemed laden with spices. A bee flew in and buzzed round the blue dragon bowl, 
filled with sulfur-yellow roses. He felt perfectly happy. Suddenly, his eye fell on the screen that he had placed in front of the portrait, and he started. Too cold for monsieur? asked his valet, putting an omelette on the table. I shut the window? Dorian shook his head. I'm not cold, he murmured. Was it all true? Had the portrait really changed? Had it been simply his own imagination that had made him see a look of evil where there had been a look of joy? Surely a painted canvas could not alter. The thing was absurd. It would serve as a tale to tell Basil some day. It would make him smile. And yet, how vivid was his recollection of the whole thing? First in the dim twilight, then in the bright dawn. He had seen the touch of cruelty round the warped lips. He almost dreaded his valet leaving the room. He knew that when he was alone he would have to examine the portrait. He was afraid of certainty. When the coffee and cigarettes had been brought and the man turned to go, he felt a wild desire to tell him to remain. As the door was closing behind him, he called him back. The man stood, waiting for his orders. Dorian looked at him for a moment. I am not at home to anyone, Victor, he said with a sigh. The man bowed and retired. Then he rose from the table, lit a cigarette, and flung himself down on a luxuriously cushioned couch that stood facing the screen. The screen was an old one, gilt Spanish leather, stamped and wrought with a rather florid pattern. He scanned it curiously, wondering if ever before it had concealed the secret of a man's life. Should he move it aside after all? Why not let it stay there? What was the use of knowing? If the thing was true, it was terrible. If it was not true, why trouble about it? But what if, by some fate or deadlier chance, eyes other than his spied behind and saw the horrible change? What should he do if Basil Hallward came and asked to look at his own picture? Basil would be sure to do that. No, the thing had to be examined, and at once. Anything would be better than this dreadful state of doubt. He got up and locked both doors. At least he would be alone when he looked upon the mask of his shame. He drew the screen aside, and saw himself face to face. It was perfectly true. The portrait had altered. As he often remembered afterwards, and always with no small wonder, he found himself at first gazing at the portrait with a feeling of almost scientific interest. That such a change could have taken place was incredible to him. And yet it was a fact. Was there some subtle affinity between the chemical atoms that shaped themselves into form and colour on the canvas, and the soul that was within him? Could it be that what that soul thought, they realized, that what it dreamed, they made true? 
Or was there some other more terrible reason? He shuddered and felt afraid. Going back on the couch, lay there gazing at the picture in sickened horror. One thing, however, he felt that it had done for him. It had made him conscious how unjust, how cruel he had been to Sybil Vane. It was not too late to make reparations for that. She could still be his wife. His unreal and selfish love would yield to some higher influence, would be transformed into some nobler passion. And the portrait that Basil Hallward had painted of him would be a guide to him through life. It would be to him what holiness is to some, conscience to others, and the fear of God to us all. There were opiates for remorse, drugs that could lull the moral sense to sleep. But here was a visible symbol of the degradation of sin. Here was an ever-present sign of the ruin men brought upon their souls. Three o'clock struck, and four, and the half-hour rang its double chime. But Dorian Gray did not stir. He was trying to gather up the scarlet threads of life, to weave them into a pattern, to find his way through the sanguine labyrinth of passion through which he was wandering. He did not know what to do or what to think. Finally, he went over to the table and wrote a passionate letter to the girl he had loved, imploring her forgiveness, accusing himself of madness. He covered page after page with wild, wild words of sorrow, and wilder words of pain. There is a luxury in self-reproach. When we blame ourselves, we feel that no one else has a right to blame us. It is the confession, not the priest, that gives us absolution. When Dorian had finished the letter, he felt that he had been forgiven. Suddenly, there came a knock at the door. He heard Lord Henry's voice outside. My dear boy, I must see you. Let me in at once. I can't bear your shutting yourself up like this. He made no answer at first, but remained quite still. The knocking still continued and grew louder. Yes, it was better to let Lord Henry in, to explain to him the new life he was going to lead, to quarrel with him if it became necessary to quarrel, to part if parting was inevitable. He jumped up, drew the screen hastily across the picture, and unlocked the door. "'I'm so sorry for it all, Dorian,' said Lord Henry as he entered. "'You must not think too much about it.' "'Do you mean about Sybil Vane?' asked the lad. "'Yes, of course,' answered Lord Henry, sinking into a chair, slowly pulling off his yellow gloves. "'It is dreadful.' from one point of view, but it was not your fault. Tell me, did you go behind and see her after the play was over? Yes, I felt sure you had. Did you make a scene with her? I was brutal, Harry, perfectly brutal. But it's all right now. 
I am not sorry for anything that has happened. It's taught me to know myself better. Ah, Dorian. I'm so glad you take it that way. I was afraid I would find you plunged in remorse, tearing that nice curly hair of yours. I have got through all that, said Dorian, shaking his head and smiling. I am perfectly happy now. I know what conscience is, to begin with. It's not what you told me it is. It is the divinest thing in us. Don't sneer at it, Harry, any more. At least not before me. I want to be good. I can't bear the idea of my soul being hideous. A very charming artistic basis for ethics, Dorian. I congratulate you on it. But how are you going to begin? By marrying Sybil Vane. Marrying Sybil Vane, cried Lord Henry, standing up and looking at him in a perplexed amazement. My dear Dorian. Yes, Harry, I know what you're going to say. Something dreadful about marriage. Don't say it. Don't ever say things of that kind to me again. Two days ago I asked Sybil to marry me. I'm not going to break my word to her. She is to be my wife. Your wife, Dorian, didn't you get my letter? I wrote to you this morning and sent the note down by my own man. Your letter? Oh yes, I remember. I've not read it yet, Harry. I was afraid there might be something in it that I wouldn't like. You cut life to pieces with your epigrams. You know nothing, then. What do you mean? Lord Henry walked across the room, and sitting down by Dorian Gray, took both his hands in his own and held them tightly. Dorian, he said, my letter, don't be frightened, was to tell you that Sybil Vane is dead. And that is where we shall close the book on the picture of Dorian Gray and this episode of Down to Sleep. If you would like to hear the second half of this episode, come and join the Sleepy Book Club at patreon.com slash down to sleep, where we've been continuing the picture of Dorian Gray and have quite a few episodes of this book on there. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I hope that you are now feeling relaxed, if not already asleep. If you're having a little bit of extra trouble tonight, we have 25 plus other episodes for you to check out all classic stories and tales to help you get the rest that you deserve. Take a nice deep breath, don't be too hard on yourself, and I'll see you in the next episode. Until next time, good night.